I can't imagine an existence in which humans aren't drawn to expressions of sexuality, whether to attain arousal or to simply satisfy a curiosity. It's in our instinct to feel a fascination about sex. In fact, we consume pornography with such a regular appetite that today it is a $97 billion industry worldwide. Though the content itself was never intended to be educational, saying it doesn't influence how we see our bodies, our sexual selves, or provoke our sexual behaviors would be blatant denial. There's a fundamental difference between fantasy and reality, and this is where so much of the controversy in this content exists. Here in America, it's accessible at a click of a button. Needless to say, porn is a major part of our daily lives, whether we choose to talk about it or not. The individuals who work in porn have experienced many transformations to the structure of their industry, from porn streaming direct to the masses in the internet boom, and to more recently, the rise of independent content creators handling every aspect from production to distribution all by themselves. By utilizing social media, those performing sex on screen today have more access and interaction with the public than ever before. But actively working against them is the steady rise in censorship, looking to eliminate the visibility and the sales of sexual content. Joining me today to answer your questions about life in porn are Romy Rain and Lotus Lane. The red umbrella became the global symbol for sex worker rights in 2001 when it was carried through the streets of Venice in protest against the abuse experienced by their community. Shot here in the heart of New York City on location at the Museum of Sex, I'm Laura Desiree and this is Red Umbrella Talk. The following discussion about the pornography industry features questions submitted by you, the general public, to our social media and Red Umbrella Talk email inboxes. I have to thank both of you for joining us here today at the Museum of Sex. What a thrill to be doing this. It Absolutely. is exciting. Yeah, you can feel, you can feel the energy, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Yes, it is. So I'm sure both of you have had plenty of inquiries in your inboxes about the job that you do, about the industry you work within. Do you always entertain them or do you try to? Uh, I mean, I try and entertain the ones that come across respectful in uh -huh. their questioning and their, you know, grammar and all of that. Yeah. yeah. But if they just like one line, how do I get into porn? I, I definitely ignore those. That one's not in here today. Or, or how do I porn? I definitely ignore those. <laughs> these, those ones were eliminated from the inbox that I scooped from for these. Romy, do you entertain any of the questions you get in your inbox? It also depends on what they ask and kind of how they ask yeah. and who's asking. Like, are you just, are you really curious? Or are you just trying to get some personal details or do you just want to have sex? So sometimes like, oh, I really want to get into porn, but really it's just like, Lotus, I'd really love to fuck you. Yeah, right. yeah, right. who wouldn't? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> just say that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, anyway. get, we'll get some personal details then out of the way before we dive into these questions. Uh, the both of you are seasoned industry professionals. I would love our audience to know a little bit about your legacy in the business, what kind of content you make, how long you've been doing it. Lotus, you want to start? So I'm Lotus Lane, and I'm an adult performer, and I have been doing that since 2012. I'm coming up on my 10th year. Ooh. And yeah, I've been a dominatrix, I've been webcam model, I've gotten to do directing and producing now, which is very much um, fulfilling. And I feel like the most fulfilling part of that that I've branched out to is advocating and act doing activism for our industry, um, just trying to end the stigma against sex work in general and porn work in general. Once people get to know us as full, rich human beings, they understand that we are just like everybody else, but just sexier. Hello. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. I'm so, I'm so happy that you're here for this project and this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And Romy. Romy Rain, let us know. Technically, I've been in adult entertainment since I was 19. I'm 33 now. Um, and I started as an exotic dancer, and then I did nude modeling, and then I got into webcamming, and then I got into pornography. So it really was kind of this slow climb. But I was just always really interested in uh, erotic nature and dancing and art. And I actually grew up around a lot of sex workers. I got in kind of 
on a whim in some ways. Like the last guy I dated after I was uh, doing like cam work and dancing, I really wanted to do it. I told him I thought like I could possibly be good at it. Like, so I'm like, if we break up, <laughs> I'm kind of getting into this. And yeah, so that happened is the way things ebb and flow. And it got to a point where I'm like, I really want to try this for myself. I really want to experiment, get in touch with things that I want to explore. So I got into porn actually at 25 and shot for a bunch of companies just like everybody else. Um, and then I kind of started veering a little bit into hosting and some advocacy as well. And now for the most part, I shoot and direct most of my own scenes. I hire people within the industry, which is amazing to feel like I'm giving back a little bit. And now I kind of direct and produce and sell most of my own content throughout multiple platforms. But yeah, there's been some major growth in the business yeah. in regards to giving the creators the control of their content and interacting with their fan base. And a lot of these questions that we're gonna to answer today do pertain to that reality of the growth in the industry. But there are so many misconceptions. And the years I've spent interviewing you in the industry, porn professionals, I've just noticed that there are so many myths to bust and I wanna do some of that today. I'm so happy you're both on board for this. You wanna dive in? Yes, so let's bust those myths. First one, did you tell your parents? How did that go? How do you feel about your content being visible or accessible to them? Um, I was not able to tell my parents. My dad, being the big porn connoisseur that he is on his own, found out on his own. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, very funny because um, then he like shows my mom. He's like, well, if I have to see it, you have to see it. That's how they found out. We're all doing great now. Wow. Um, it was just kind of like a rough patch of like, oh my God, we did not know you had this in you. What happened? What happened? Because I was a very like scholarly person. I'm still like into stuff like that, but they never realized I had this very big sexual side to me. So that was surprising. But now, fast forward years later, you know, I'm talking to my parents about advocacy and the difference between sex work and sex trafficking. And my mom's not understanding. My dad literally tells my mom, he's like, no, sex trafficking is totally different. They yeah. don't have a choice in that. What, what she's doing is something she wants to on her own. I was like, well, I wow, just go dad. Sleep. Like, do you want to take them from the mic? It's yeah. so awesome. So yeah. That's that's incredible. <laughs> but it was first discovered that you were doing this because he found your content? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, I guess he's into lesbian porn. That was the scene that showed my mom. <laughs> that's funny, right? He yeah. just stumbled upon it. Yeah. Romy. Any experience in telling the family or maybe having them find out? Yeah, uh, well, to be honest, I mean, uh, you know, don't talk about this too much, uh, but I am technically a second generation sex worker. So I kind of really did grow up around it. But at the same time, I, of course, like when there was some find out, and honestly, my mom's boyfriend. Right, the porn connoisseur. Yeah, the family. Always, it's always right? like a lovely man, porn connoisseur, who never watches, but it, you know. Yeah, so she wasn't super stoked about finding out that way. But uh, but at the same time, like there really almost couldn't be too much judgment, and uh, and everybody knows me as a very independent, strong-willed person. I moved out when I was 18, so yeah, I told them like I'm gonna I'm gonna survive out yeah. here, and I'm gonna see what I get into, and it is what it is. I've so some people weren't the happiest, but I've honestly never apologized for it. I don't feel shame about it. It's my choice. I'm an adult, and again, I, I was around people that did it, so. I don't know, it, it's always been work. It, it's always yeah. been a job in that yeah. sense to me. Yeah. So. Did you, do you get a lot of the comments or mentions of people saying, what if your parents find out? I mean, maybe when you're a new performer, yeah. that was kind of the thing, like what if your parents find out and like they did find out and it was not a what if, it was literally like a find out situation. And you know, at first you, you, you are jarred, you're shocked, but you know, depending on what your relationship is with your parents, you know how you can talk to them to get back to normal, so. It's how it happened. Yeah. And they're going to find out. It's kind Either of way, too, yeah. at some point. On the internet well, with we the do. accessibility <laughs> of the content today and, yeah. you know, how much of it just gets shared and tossed around on social media platforms, like those mentions, those connections, it's hard to avoid not being attached to something that you're, is earning you a living. True. Absolutely. No, people are going to find out about that yeah. quickly and you can just be okay with it. This one came in. What are the pros and cons of getting into the business at 18? 
So both of you said that you did it. You made the entry into this business a little bit in your mid twenties. Well, I was thirty. I literally 30. did this as a dirty thirty gift to myself because you, yeah, you're like wow. you. I kind of always had this calling and this feeling inside of me, and I was like, okay, well, if nothing else, I'll do it when I'm thirty, and then nothing else. Which, which I meant like if I'm not married to a politician or some kind of job as a teacher, school teacher. I was like, yeah, let me do this. This is what I'm into. But what about the influx of say uh, a, a slew of these young hopefuls getting into it. Is there a danger in getting into the business a little too early? I will say yes. I don't want to say like it's all bad because there's definitely been success stories of girls that do really well when they start out at 18 and it's like just up from there. But the reality is, is a lot of people that come into the sex industry at the age of 18 only have sex experience as a child. Right. And so you're coming into an adult industry of sex. And the way that it's navigated is, is very adult-like. It's not like recreational, fun at home, boyfriend, girlfriend sex. You're, you're doing things for money. You're yeah. doing things for your career. Um, and they've not had a career before. They've listened to authority figures their whole life. So it's really hard to be as independent as you really need to be in this industry at the fresh age of 18. I think. So it's an, an enormous amount of responsibility. Yeah. You're running, you're a business owner as soon right. as you become a sex worker. You're, you are your own business and it is a business. Right. And if you're not making business moves with a business mind, you could get caught up. Romy, thoughts on people getting in maybe too young? Is there a too young? Because some same Z's I got technically was in like, you know, exotic dancing, but porn is very different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I technically got into porn at just about 26, turning 26, and I've always been a little bit conflicted. I have even thought sometimes, like, maybe it should be 21. Is 18 too young? It is kind of weird that they can't even have a, a shot, yeah. but they can, you know, do a bunch of very other crazy things that um, maybe they're not processing properly yet. So what I really kind of stick to is... If they're getting into porn, especially hardcore pornography, under 21, it needs to be 100% their choice. Yeah. And the problem is, sometimes when they're that young, it's not always completely their choice when you really have a conversation with them about how they got into the industry. Mm -hmm. I'm very against recruitment. Mm -hmm. I'm very against people trying to get people into porn. I don't think anybody needs to try to get anybody into right. porn. Porn is actually really easy to get into. Yeah. <laughs> In all reality, if you want to do it, it's like it's not hard. Like yeah. I, I did a couple Google searches yeah. to like find Same. reputable agents. <laughs> In all reality, people need advice and mm -hmm. help sometimes, but no one really needs help to get into porn or a push to get into porn. So if it's something you really want wanted to do like people like us. Again, I when I went to the strip club, I was 19. I went by myself. I did my audition by myself. I left by myself. So like no one was pushing me to go there. Yeah. It needs to be that. Otherwise, I don't know. Otherwise, I, I have confliction about it. And even I've heard stories, you know, people get in and then maybe under weird circumstances and they still take control of their career later. Mm -hmm. But I just don't like the idea of people getting into the industry if it wasn't completely their choice. Right. right. 18 is like your first taste of freedom for yeah. so many people yeah. so it's like you want to set forth thinking responsibly yeah and like lotus was saying like authority figures yes. like yeah. all of the people that they're around when you're younger are authority figures and so if you're really that young it's very easy to get sweet talked like yeah and it's very easy to believe that the older person talking to you is who you need to listen to like in a situation where sometimes they are the person that needs to listen to you because you're paying for them to get you work or yeah. other situations. Or you're like the that. individual on camera. Right. So it's really hard for an 18 year old to know those dynamics just straight out of the box of high school, you know? So true. Yeah. So true. It's a tender time. Yeah. Uh, should porn literacy be taught in school curriculum? If so, for what grades or age groups and with what kind of lesson plan? I don't know that it necessarily needs to be something that the school system should handle. I mean, we don't have media literacy. And that's just regular entertainment, and some people take regular entertainment the wrong way, you know? So I do think that there needs to be a real conversation, whether it's with the, the kids and their parents, or it's an outside source of education, like some education annex, or it's done through museums, or whatever. But there does need to be some kind of porn literacy to help people understand the difference between the fantasy of sex and the reality of sex in relationships and all of that. Because that, that is something that I can tell kind of messes with people, but the only reason it messes with people is not because porn exists, is because sex education does not exist. Right. That's why. Right. Like, that's the only reason why. And when that's missing from the experience, right. 
all of these young people are searching for it because right. they're curious and they want to know. And so where so can they find it? To be part of us as humans. That's right. Is that they can find it on tube sites right. or anywhere pornography exists that's accessible to them. But they do it in private. Right. They do it without discussing. They they do it in sort of this wild, wild west manner of yes. let's just step in and see what happens. Yeah. Right? Just, like try and fill this hole. Yeah. 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 Kind of same boat. I don't know if necessarily porn literacy, but sex education. Mm -hmm. And then if we're talking about actual sex education, you're going to touch on topics like pornography and like sexual expression. And then we go into things like fantasy and BDSM and all these different kinds of ways you can experience sex yeah. and pleasure. And I think also, to be honest, once we get to the sex ed, I think sex ed in general should be in school, but parents need to talk to their yeah. goddamn yeah. kids. Like yeah. you should be talking to your child about pornography, especially if you're going to give your kid a phone oh at 10 God. years old. Yeah. It's your responsibility. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, and that's what I'm saying. Like these conversations need to happen in general because once the internet is open to that kid, there's nothing holding it back. You know, well, I think a lot of family units, the parents are a little too, uh, they feel ill-equipped to handle that discussion of sex. I, I, I've heard of many accounts of this, you know, where uh, a parent says, well, I'm going to leave it up to school because they'll cover that in their schooling. They will not. No, they won't. They really won't. And one of the things that, that I think is more important than like, the body parts, which is that's Anatomy. all they teach us in school, right. is actually how to interact with other humans in a respectful way. And I think that's the kind of blurred line that is not transmitted through porn, is all the respectful conversations we have beforehand to get to this really raunchy yeah. act that looks disrespectful. But we talked about like you choking me in the middle yeah. of this crazy cum shot scene. Yeah. You know? So those are the things I think people need to figure out with their parents, with their kids, whoever, is like how to actually talk to people about how to respect each other in, in yeah. these sexual situations. Yeah, I wonder if knowing that what you're watching could be, let's say, for example, a BDSM scene, knowing that that is something called BDSM yeah. versus just it torture. being sex. Yes, or exactly. And that's torture, just what sex some people is. think it's yeah. like some crazy extreme thing. Yeah. If I would have known that BDSM could be a different type of power dynamic and exchange like that, I wouldn't have been nearly as like, I was extremely scared when I first laid eyes on my first BDSM images because they just looked evil to me. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, black and scary and dungeons and- Pain. Right, yeah, but I think also, if we think of sex outside of just like man-woman penetration and pleasure outside of man-woman penetration, pleasure is, you know, a whip in a chain sometimes. Pleasure is teasing with like nails or something like that. So I think we need to teach people there's different types of pleasure that just isn't just straight up intercourse. Right. And, and that, you know, there are words and names and community groups that yeah. exist of these. It's not just everything you see on, say, Pornhub is yeah. sex in the real world. Yeah, and what consent actually is, and right. how to communicate yeah. all of that. We have so many questions about consent. Okay. Okay. We have so many. <laughs> okay. um, Here we go. So, so get ready. This is all about parents talking to their kids, which we touched on. This is a big one. I've seen this come up in a number of different articles over the years. What are your thoughts on practices in pornography becoming practices in our realities? For example, obscenities, violence. Is there a link between pornography and criminal sexual practice? I don't think so at all. That's not what I was going to take from that when you were starting to read that. <laughs> yeah. right? Also, yeah. yes, there's definitely things you can take from, but not violence and all of that. I would say, just like I was saying earlier, the things that we talk about before on set, the consent talks and things, the testing standards, those are things we can definitely take from porn and put that into the real world. That, that would be great if we did. Yeah, no kidding. Normalized testing. Oh, my gosh. 100%. I mean, that's the funny thing about being a sex worker, you know, just throwing that in there. It's yeah. so funny when you talk to people not in the industry mm -hmm. about, like, their most recent tests. They, mm -hmm. uh, they always, that's one of the biggest it's misconceptions. It's literally so vague. They don't yeah. even remember themselves. And then <laughs> when real. we say, it's like, oh, you dirty whores. I'm like, I've been tested hundreds mm -hmm. of times. And we have a trackable system yeah. that we know that. Yeah. So it is really wild. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry. Well, the question was essentially, like, do I, does porn incite violence, essentially? Yeah, so especially, uh, I, I'm... I'm imagining this is what the question mm. no, may have been supposed to be, was that the kind of content, say rough sex, mm -hmm. say uh, a little bit more hardcore content that's out there, do you think that that has an influence in the kinds of sexual behavior that we enact in the real world because we've seen it in porn? 
I don't necessarily think so because like it's happening in porn because people want to do it. It's almost like a chicken or the egg kind of yeah. situation. Yeah. It's like people want passionate, intense sex if that's what they want. I do think is when we tie it into like uh, violence, we're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly really don't. <laughs> I actually really don't think. I think they want to say that porn yeah. can be like a, a public health crisis where right. guys, but then they want to blame video games the next day for right. inciting violence into right. the world. So I don't necessarily think so. If you're having consensual, like intelligent sex with somebody that you want yeah. to have sex with, I, I don't believe at all that porn can cause. But I do think when we're talking about children, if we're not educating children and they're just, you know, they happen to turn on their phone and the first thing that pops up is like an incredibly aggressive BDSM gangbang. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's what they think all it's sex, sex is. Yeah. And that, that I think can be a little bit of an issue, but that also completely goes into education and parenting yeah. like that. I, I have no control over what your child clicks Nor on. Nor is it right. your responsibility. It's not. <laughs> as, as the performer, it's not in the, the job details, I right? Would, I would argue to say like, is a movie like Saw and those kinds of things, you know, responsible for like gruesome deaths that happen? No, because gruesome deaths happened before that. There was like Ed Gein's way before that. Right. So, you know, these things happen because this is what people want and this yeah. is how people are. And people are always looking to point a finger at yeah. any, any, you know, corner They tried of to the say sex. it was music back yeah. in the day, whether it was oh, hardcore wow. rap or hardcore rock, you know, yeah. that was making people violent too. So yeah, absolutely. It's not the art. We're going to get into some of the rougher stuff. Um, rough sex. When it comes to shooting scenes of rough sex, who decides how rough and how do performers check in with each other? So we're talking as the cameras are rolling, maybe before they're rolling, after they're rolling. How is that rougher stuff handled? Rougher interaction? I think like you feel within the body of the person that is working with you. I'm, I mean, if I'm the receiver of the rough sex and the male, he's like going off and doing, I can feel if it's becoming too intense to me. And we usually give each other a look in the eye, maybe a pinch in the back of the thigh kind of thing that's off camera. So they can say, or if it's just like that, you can just be like, cut, you know, so that like happens. what my red word is or whatever, you know, cut right now. I need like a break. Yeah. yeah. That's a regular thing then at any yeah. point if it is a rougher piece of content if it is pushing your own boundary that has been discussed up front you can just say cut yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. you're yeah. always supposed you're supposed to anyway and you're always supposed to feel like you're supposed to be able to we always have um consent conversations beforehand or you always should especially if we're talking about an intense bdsm scene that's mm -hmm. usually especially nowadays as we're getting into much more um you know uh Smart paperwork style yes. world. Compliance. Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. we're on, people are much more on top of their shit. Most sets, they don't want to have any possible issue in the future yeah. too. So I think it's like that misconception that everything's a free for all. Like yeah. the set doesn't want to get shut down. The company doesn't want to get shut down. Yeah. They want people to arrive happy and leave happy. Absolutely. Yeah, we do have consent back and forth. Like, what do you like? What do you not like? I'll even ask sometimes people what they, uh, uh, I said like, but like for guys, <laughs> what do you not like is a big thing. But I'm like, what do you like? What yeah. I can do to like actually make this experience get better. better. Yeah. Turn you on, change mm -hmm. things around. But if something is happening that's a little too intense, like same thing, I'll tap or like, um, yeah, I've even called cut before. If somebody does something yeah. that like they're not so, supposed to do or if I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah. But there should never really be a point that you're you're scared yeah. during a scene. That's no. that's not professional pornography. No. Yeah, and yeah, it's not like I'm you ever want to push through a fear. Like you can feel an intensity building up to a point of where you can take it or where you're like, oh, cut. No, I can't take how, this anymore. How explicit you are can't the hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I, something. I would imagine. Yeah, like so sometimes you, need you get to. like a jab in the wrong angle and you're like, whoa, I literally need a break. You yeah, know? and with it things happened. like BDSM scenes, they can get very intense. And mm -hmm. like depending on what you're doing, are you using ropes or using whips? So you do have to almost really know your own boundaries and mm -hmm. be able to kind of tell yourself when because we could push ourselves a little farther yeah. than maybe we should sometimes but it's really important to listen to your body and like pull back even physically when you need to because yeah. the the risk of physical injury is always a possibility we're there's, sexual athletes you've yeah, got to take care of yourself there's a there's a wear and tear question on its way mm -hmm. um <laughs> con consent <laughs> consent uh captured throughout filming a scene i feel like we really we did just go into that how explicit and detailed are those uh, absolute no's as much as they need to be? Like, do we go as far as, you know, no hair pulling or no left nipple twisting? Like, is, is it... 
I would I would say yeah. If it, if it, if that's like a sensitive area for someone, you know, some people do twist really hard in sure. things. You know, they think that's really hot. People do that in real life too. Like as far as ongoing consent goes, I've had people even in the middle of the scene like whisper in my ear like is this okay still mm -hmm. like as we're still having sex but no one knows that that's what got said it just looks like hot like yeah fuck me like whispering you know <laughs> right. or, or I've had to do that too if I'm like the person pegging someone I'm like is this still okay for you yeah all right take it little piggy or whatever you know yeah. and switch up the conversation for the camera so they don't hear that you just consent checked someone so this next question you know I had to I had to dig a little deeper with the sender and ask them to explain this a little bit more to me, the question was, why has the male pleasure experience been eliminated from straight porn today? So I said, has it? I said, what, what, has it? what does that mean? And he elaborated on the days of performers like Peter North, where back in that era, you would see more shots dedicated to the man in the scene writhing with pleasure, experiencing pleasure. There was more camera time oh, of the man. The and he oh. said that in today's porn, it's like just a dick on a stick situation and you don't see enough of the man in straight porn. That is so true because honestly, all of the feedback I've ever heard and read on comments is that they don't even want the guy to exist. They don't even want to see the fucking guy. They don't want to see anything but the dick on a stick. Because they want to put themselves yeah, into the fantasy. they sometimes get mad when they see his hand, like, get that fucker's hand out of there. Like, <laughs> I've seen comments, you know, so. I don't know if it's fair to say that the male pleasure experience is missing from No. I disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. In all reality, this might be something of a bit of surprise to people, but I think people might be surprised at how coveted male talent can be mm -hmm. if they're top tier, mm -hmm. if they're known as professional good workers. And there's not that many. There's a no. lot more women no. in the industry than the male. So no, no, the guys, no. I mean, in the nicest way, and a lot of them deserve it. No, a lot of the guys, they're very much, we have to make sure that they are comfortable because again, what they're doing is a very physical thing. Yeah. You know, a woman could just get lube, a guy has to be aroused. That's so in a way we have to kind of cater yeah. to the day. Well, he's also the one that comes. Right, especially, Authentically. Those, especially those top male talent guys, like they work every single day. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you're getting what you need on that day too. Right. Exactly. When it comes to the male pleasure, that's an extremely good point. Like only the guy is guaranteed an orgasm True. in a boy-girl scene. True. The scene ends, quote unquote, when the, the male has an orgasm. And like, hey, it may not be the best orgasm of their life, but it's like, Cold pizza. Yeah, it's, still, so, it's so, still pretty fucking yeah. good. So it's still focused on the male pleasure. In my opinion, yeah. it's all about the it male pleasure. It still is, yeah. In if reality. If it was not focused on male pleasure, you wouldn't even see cum. Exactly. You wouldn't. We wouldn't be getting would face fucked upside right, down. You would just be seeing him like eating us out for 30 minutes and then be like, okay, thank bye. you. <laughs> Pussy eating is the shortest like, yeah. position in any straight point yeah. ever. Yeah. So if we want to talk about like wow. showing the male experience, excuse me. I mean, go to gay porn then. Yeah, exactly. You'll see plenty of male pleasure there. I, 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 would, I would recommend it right. highly. I, there's a lot of girls that, I mean, I enjoy gay I enjoy porn. gay porn. Yes. I say that loud <laughs> and proud. I like boy-boy girls. I love More men. Area. More men on me. Yeah. <laughs> I love boy-boy girls, too. <laughs> STIs, how do you uh, get around HIPAA? What is required of you in regards to testing? Is any of this covered uh, yeah. by the production? Yeah, we have our testing system with PASS, which is the Performer Availability Something Something Service. I, I thought it was system, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, services. It's the two S's Wait, always confuse me, but performer availability screening services. There it okay. is. Nice. Screening. So what it is is basically we get tested from our clinics, and instead of us taking our paperwork with our name, our address, our all of our medical information, it goes into the system like this person just got tested and they are cleared and negative for everything, so they get a check mark, which means we're clear to work. And so as fellow performers or a producer or director is hiring you for their set, they can just look you up in the database. They see the check mark. They don't need to see your paperwork. They don't need to see your real name with all of the you know names and labels of what you got tested for. They just see the check and they know you're good. Right. And that's, that's what we and do. And that's on how regular of a basis? Every two weeks, every 14 days. And it's like, there's no leeway, there's no grace period. It's literally every 14 days. Yeah. And yeah, that's how we avoid the HIPAA. You know, we don't, we don't share our medical information. We're just sharing that we got tested and we're available to work. Right. 
Yeah, you're not showing everybody like your full medical records, yeah. but no. it, with, but especially like in, even in life, like if you're having about to have sex with somebody, me asking you if you've been tested recently, it would be a very weird response if you were like, "Whoa, that's my that's my personal business, sweetheart." Be, yeah, it's it like we're about a... to share our bodies together. Mm -hmm. There has to be some level of like trust and like yeah. care. But yeah, we have like our own database. You can look people up uh, every two week testing, and yeah, people are tend to be can you completely look shocked. People up? If you know, yeah, if yeah. you know their name, which we should, or yeah. you can like trade that information. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if there's if there's a problem, if somebody gets an X in the system, they get a call. Mm -hmm. And then you're supposed to alert everybody on like that you've been in contact with. And then if something happens to them, they alert people they've been in contact with. So there really is like a an intricate little like drip down system that we yeah, have. Yeah, it's the contact tracing system that has been recently been adapted by everyone that does COVID testing. So you know, like you've been COVID so you're welcome. Yeah, right? yeah, so you're welcome. You know you've been COVID tested and they do contact tracing to make sure that everyone's safe within your bubble and circle. They got that from us. They called our office at Free Speech Coalition and my executive director, Michelle, let those industries know in the entertainment mainstream industry wow. and medical in, in the medical industry how we do contact tracing. So yes, you are welcome. Wow. I mean, there, there was a question about what happens if someone tests positive. How long are they out of the game? When are they allowed back? Uh, All of is that there is usually dependent on what, yeah. what they got, right. you know, um, tested for, whether it's, I don't know, gonorrhea, syphilis, or, you know, HIV. It all depends on what, if they are able to take something to be cured from it, and how long that cured, you know, curing window, I don't know what I'm trying to say. The window to, t uh, to be cleared takes, and then they retest, I think, two more times before they're actually cleared. Right, so you have to then get the, the retest. Yeah, yeah. Sure you that. have to have a new valid clean test to go back on set yeah. again, yes. Wow. At least a professional set. Yeah, it's, it's the measures are fantastic. Yeah, and usually if it's like something where they have to do contact tracing with more than like two people, they will do an industry shutdown called a production hold. Mm -hmm. And that means like no one is supposed to be shooting. Literally, you will be on set and they'll be like, shut this down right now. There's a production hold. And then you Who wait. Alerts you? Usually like from our company, Free Speech Coalition, we'll call directors and people that we know and then we'll send out a mass Twitter thing. And usually everyone's on Twitter. That's like our news, you know, hub. And then people will start texting and letting people know from there. So it just kind of trickles down. I mean, there's a production hold. And if it really gets serious, like we really can't trace whoever or the testing is coming back, you know, un unfortunate ways where people are contracting something, we've had moratoriums, which are very rare, but a moratorium can last for a full month. We've had that. Can you, mm -hmm. can you explain to everyone a moratorium? Yeah, it's just like an extended production hold. So like a production hold can last for like a week, a weekend, but it usually people get tested and cleared within that. But if a moratorium happens, people are tested, the tests still come back inconclusive, or they actually are positive and contracted something, and the hold lasts for a full month. And yeah. We haven't had that in a long, long no, time, yeah. though. We haven't had a, a long moratorium in literally years, about, yeah. almost. I mean, the last one was like two years when I yeah, got in, and then they even changed their testing system. It used to be 30 days. Yeah. Now it's two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, the industry really does care about, because, again, if we shut down, we all shut down. Nobody works. Nobody eats. That's right. It does not benefit no. adult entertainers or anybody else to, if we're dirty little right, it doesn't, Yeah, benefit us to be <laughs> as sloppy as people perceive us to be. Yeah. We're actually very regimented with our testing and standards. Others should yeah. follow suit. Exactly. Does doing porn skew your appreciation or understanding of sex and intimacy? No, it did the opposite. It really did the opposite, I think, for me. Man, honestly, before porn, I was probably just being a robotic slut. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and now I know how to make that robotic slut make money for me on camera. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm more, I feel like, apt to be intimate and real with people in real um, sex relationship situations. The, the fact that it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> and to so many people, sex is the almighty. That is the closest, I mean, it is. It's the, the closest you can get to another individual, another mm -hmm. human being, to be inside of them in mm -hmm. some way. Some people put that at such a, a high level of importance when it comes to interacting and knowing another person. Mm -hmm. So does any of that lose its, I don't know if it's about losing value or if just the disposability of the sex that happens because it's your job changes how you feel about sex in your own life. It makes me appreciate my coworkers more actually mm. in that way. It really does. I, I feel like it makes me feel like I had a deeper understanding with them and a, a physical conversation yeah. with them that I would never have outside of 
the sex work that we're doing together. And it just makes me understand them as a human more. There's, it's so weird how we can have really deep conversations like with our words and we understand someone and we're like, damn, I see them completely different now. And I kind of feel like it's the same way with sex, even when with work sex, you know, like you go and you see your, your partner and you're like, cool, I'm going to work with them. And then at the end, you're like, yeah. that moment that we shared in yeah. there. I see you. You really you know? get to know somebody yeah, sexually. Yeah, you're like, okay, so, so I yeah, see so you right it's, there. It's still, it's still a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some ways, even more coveted, at least like on yeah. my side, I'm almost even pickier with like the people that I'll fuck, especially off camera. Yeah. Like I really, really want, because like I, I do like connecting with my, my partners like on camera. It does matter to me if like they're nice people, if mm -hmm. I enjoy being around them. So, and then I love having sex. So yeah, off camera, I like, it's so important to me that there is a really good connection or at least sexual chemistry and mm -hmm. that we're guaranteed to have a good time and like be in it to win it. Like, I'm not like having random kind of flippant sex because only if for only the reason it sounds kind of like stupid. Like I was a virgin until I was 18 and it was because I was like, these high school boys don't know how to fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I so swear. Because I lost my virginity to a guy not in high school for the exact same reason. Right. I'm like, I want to have good sex. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to fuck these high school boys that spread rumors about us yes. in school the next day. Like, like, no, I want to really like feel something and be into a it. Person who's 19. Have that experience. <laughs> I want a dedicated spotlight and multiple angles. Right? I, I literally like I, I seduced my first sex person too because I wanted that. an experience. Yeah, I, I want to experience something like good. And I yeah. so I, I think I like I hold sex into such a high regard because of that. That's part of the reason I got into porn is mm. because I wanted to have these different levels of experiences mm -hmm. that you kind of almost did have to plan and talk about mm -hmm. ahead. So no, I mean, I feel like I, I covet sex even more so even on camera a little bit picky. Like, yeah, it's a job. And some days, like, of course, maybe I'm not having an orgasm on camera or whatever. But like, at the same time, like my job is to have the sex that people wish that they could have. Yes. At least is the way that. that I look at yeah. it. I'm trying to like put something out there. So even if like, I'm not feeling the ultimate pleasure, if mm -hmm. I can make other people possibly get yes. there, that kind of arouses me vicariously. Yes, yes, yes. So like, Oh no, sex is even powerful better now. Stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. powerful mm -hmm. stuff. It is. We've got a few more left here in our inbox. Uh, Lotus, interracial. Okay. We want to yeah. talk interracial category. Uh, I've also seen the term reverse interracial. Are these genres perpetuating racism? Yes. That's ridiculous. I, I swear, please don't let me come across reverse interracial because I haven't yet. But um, yeah, like everything I do is reverse interracial. Like no one is my race. I'm mixed race anyway, so no one has my exact same mix. Interracial is so weird because the term itself is a weird perpetuation of like this like from the slave times like black bull conquering lily white woman and her innocence and like that's always the way it is it's not interracial is not like me a black woman having sex with a white woman that's not i mean or me a black woman having sex with an asian woman it, even though it is that's not like the category it's literally like a black man having sex with a white woman that's what makes it strangely racist and weird like interracial if they really just open the category to what the term really means it could just be me and you me and Romy it could be you know a Mexican guy and an Asian girl like why is it so limited to just that that those two types of people and why is that so weird that we call that weird and why is it such a huge genre yeah. in the business right you it's know unbelievable how it, massive that genre is it really is and it's really unfortunate because when people say like things that influence like porn influences sex in certain ways i think like certain things like this is what we see that influences people in uh, in really unfortunate ways it's just like a power dynamic of like we see the black male is like, oh, this dominator person, and that's what they're supposed to be. Sure, they can be, they are, but they also have different aspects of their sexuality as well that aren't being explored, you know? And I just think that when you put it in that weird way, it almost makes every scene that you see with a black man and a white woman that, even though that might not be the dynamic. Maybe Romy's the dominator on a black dude in a movie, but like because of the way this term has just like taken over, sometimes even the fans of interracial get like, so like, I don't know, they're so hardened by what they expect to see that they would be thrown off if like the dynamic change, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean, like they, they actually get mad and argue that it should not ever be anything else but black man and mm -hmm. white woman. And some of them, the fans aren't even black men or white women. So I'm just, it's just a real weird psychological thing. How does, how does that get eliminated? How, how do we work that out of 
the porn experience because it sounds it's perfectly clear yeah that what this is is a bad thing it's a bad perpetuating of racism right i think people need to flood that the algorithm of that term with other types of content that isn't just black male white woman just like i said just the true term of interracial making it mixed races mm. that that is hot actually like mixing different bodies around but when you limit it to just one combination that's very strange yeah. and i think that we now that things are kind of in our own hands as content creators we can do that yeah that's true mm -hmm. it's in it's in your control yeah how do you see the future of content creators ownership progressing damn these are hard the yeah. future of content creation ownership. As this continues to evolve and you really run your own marketplace, you speak directly to the purchaser, you create directly for the purchaser, how does this progress? Does sex tech come into it and maybe yeah. more experiences are available? Definitely more experiences. I think the, the more creative you're able to be with what you're offering, the more reach you'll have. Mm. It just seems like the, the, the reach that you have on the internet is really up to you as a creator, it's truly, because you can go as high as you want, as far as you want, or you can keep it as local as you want to. Something that doesn't ever get emphasized enough is organizational skills. They really come high into play as a modern sex worker on the internet. It's not like easy. You really have to be like on top of your stuff and know like planning shoots, planning dates, scheduling yeah. like shoots with people. Prioritizing and, your yeah, time. You really have to be organized. Yeah. So, you know, developing those kind of skills, like people that have that, I feel like those are the people that are going to continue to excel regardless of the look. Because yeah. everyone was always focused on the look and the marketing of a certain look. And I think people can look any type of way they want, but if you have like the marketing skills, the organizational skills, that's what takes you up to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like the future of content creation in that kind of sense is you're going to see a lot more happy, long-term, mm -hmm. thriving performers. Like before there was always like the, the cliche stigma. It's like, all right, somebody gets in the business, they have three to six months, they're yes. going to be worked to death and they're exactly. out. <laughs> There's like no real like semblance of like content creation unless you were going to like build your own website from the ground up. But now there's... There's so many options. There's so many ways for us to connect to our fans in some ways more so than the average uh, studio and director. True. It's isn't it, it's fascinating True. how much oh they God. reach yeah. out to us nowadays yeah. to promote to them. To promote and, things or sometimes help them like, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And yeah, what do we do? And I'm like, I was like, help me load yeah, like, are you guys on Instagram? Like, I don't yeah. know, just things like that where some companies even just don't know how to get themselves out or they use us as the marketers now when yeah. before we would, we as the individual, you would use the company promoting us as marketing. And now you're really seeing, like Lotus was saying, like who can like really bring themselves to the top. It's not just whoever like, okay, we choose this one to be mm -hmm. the popular one this right. year. It's not really like that anymore. It's really slowly getting there mm -hmm. where like you can see a lot of like really growing popular performers. Like I acknowledge popular performers that I've never met before, mm -hmm. but I see that they're working and mm -hmm. I see that they're selling and I see that they're growing. And I think that's so fascinating. And it just, you really didn't see that by comparison. It's like now we really are brands and businesses. That's yes. not some bullshit that a, an agent saying to some 18 year old trying yeah. to get her to do a gangbang. it's bank. also yeah. on you. Yeah. To deal with the censorship. Yeah. Yeah. The bullshit on that end. Yeah. Like, yeah, they want to work with you, but you've got to maintain platforms that aren't going to be shut down to keep that going, to keep yeah. those offers coming in. You really have to be working. It's yeah. a 24 7 job it really if you're taking it seriously. Yeah. Or the multifaceted it job, is. too. And, that, and that's part of why I say it's really hard as a young person, because even as 30 year old women, we're like, whoo, this is a lot. And like for an yeah. 18 year old that's never you know, they use social media for fun. Now you're using social media for business. Now you being shadow a band um, account, like takes money away out of your Absolutely. pocket. You know, yeah. makes you have to work harder to try and figure out another creative way of advertising because this avenue isn't working anymore. Absolutely, right. like, like honey, even I only got a CPA a few years ago. <laughs> like get an accountant, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, notarize yourself, mm -hmm. uh, 
establish an LLC yes. or an S corp or whatever yeah. you want to do, buy your domain names, trademark. Like really there are like a bunch of these little steps to do, but if you're really focusing on like, okay, how do I make an actual independent contractor, self-employed business? Mm -hmm. You can't. And like you were saying, it really yeah. is on us, but that can be an amazing thing. Yeah, Cause I then mean. you really see who gives a fuck. Like you yeah. see who's putting in time and effort mm -hmm. into their appearance and their setup and their sets. Yeah. It yeah. really is. So now it's amazing that somebody who really wants to be successful in this business and really wants to be in sex work, which we need to see more of anyway, people who yeah. really want, want to, be to be here, here. Mm -hmm. and really want to grow this and industry. approach it professionally. Especially women yeah. to yes. really like take over and hopefully take over and like <laughs> to really make this industry thrive because yeah. it is mostly women. We are the products yeah. at the end of the day and we need to really take control of that yeah. and that needs to be acknowledged. And I really yeah. want to take the stigma and the mentality out of people's minds that sex industry is like insidious and grimy and gross because sex is not, it doesn't have to be. Sex is beautiful, wonderful, like uplifting and I really hope that that's the direction the sex industry starts taking in the future. Also y'all are organized yeah. right? and you in fill out paperwork right? and you do testing more than most people outside of the business would do in a lifetime. I think we test more than medical doctors, yeah. Yeah. just saying. And we, yeah. <laughs> and we pay more taxes than most millionaires yeah. exactly <laughs> or billionaires wow. especially wow holy shit we're really good Wake people, people. Yeah. <laughs> we try we try how do you avoid mental and bodily wear and tear i i don't take every offer honestly yeah. i really don't it's tempting you want that money you want that exposure but i i, I pace myself i give myself days off days off where i'm just like fucking around at home in my pajamas watching my shows, smoking weed, feeling like not obligated. To so important. Yeah, you need that. So important. Sometimes it's more important to say no than yes. Yeah. Like in its quality over quantity, especially mm -hmm. if you are trying to build up your brand. So it is important to like say no and rest and take care of your body, especially if we have the fallback of content creation before a lot of it was like, we have to take this Every gig. Yeah. We have to go on set or else you can be mad at me and how am I going to pay my bills? But now we really have the option to take the breaks and you need to because, I mean, I would say especially as a female because I am a female, our bodies go through a lot. Yeah. We're in very interesting positions. Mm -hmm. We hold things for a long time. It's the so day. We're it's, working on our periods. That too. Yeah. That's a question. Yeah. <laughs> that hey, is a question. They see, you guys see 30 minutes of sex. We yeah. could have been there 6 to 12 hours yeah. making that scene. That, that is one of our questions is how do you have sex on your period? Hey, nobody told me that either when I first got in. Right. I had yeah. to actually ask my agent about that. And yeah, yeah. I know you, it's a, we usually tend to do like little makeup sponges. We'll put it a up cosmetic there. cosmetic sponge. Yeah, and you put it, it up there like, you know, no soon. I wouldn't put it in there longer than an hour before, probably like 20 minutes before and then have it in there, you know, like cleaned out so there's not like blood dripping. Cleaned out with water and put the sponge in and then do your sex and immediately take the sponge out. Yes. Immediately. Is that a challenge sometimes? Oh my God. <laughs> I would imagine that. Yeah, I have, look, I've seen I have some had of to the... come up with like a full routine, like a workout routine. Lamaze how, breathing. Yeah, like I know yeah. like I have to bend over in this angle and, and yeah. like this and like kind of gape my pussy open and then I can get in there and yeah, it's a thing. I mean, you can get your diaphragm stuck. So yeah. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, but try that <laughs> trick at home, everyone. The cosmetic sponge. It's an incredible one. Why aren't periods shown in porn? Why don't we see any of that content? I think it's honestly just the more the blood thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of it when it comes to like compliance, there's just, uh, cause again, certain things you can't like post certain places, uh, even on BDSM kind of scenes that there's certain kind of fluids usually mm, not allowed. Yeah. It's usually a fluid issue to be really blunt. Like seeing blood on camera might throw people off a little bit. And then if you're watching like a really cute, like romance scene, it might be a little bit surprising to maybe just jarring though. That would be, Amazing. I don't think I've ever seen a scene where I, there was a surprise yeah. period. Yeah, so. it's, it's not, it doesn't come up anywhere. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's a, it's just a blood, I no think, blood yeah, allowed. Yeah, I think it definitely no is a, a compliance thing that has yeah. to do with um, credit card processing. Like there's a list of things that are like on the extreme obscenity list that you can't do. It's like, ridiculous yeah. that our natural function right, is an obscenity. Right. Yeah, it's like yeah. on the same level as like scat. Like, yeah. Scat for verification <laughs> is poop stuff. Poop stuff. Which would yeah. not be compared to period no. blood. It is okay to have sex with a woman on her period. But right. I think also, too, maybe along with the compliance, is that some, you know, cis straight guys like have a little fear of yeah. a woman's bodily function Truly. sometimes. So right. I, think I think maybe they would just be scared to death. If yeah. they saw that. It's right. Too obscene. Mm -hmm. Right. Apparently. Yeah. That's one but I would we love as to humans change. that have had sex on our periods know that it's like oh, there's no one of the best sex is like period yeah, sex. I'm the most wet. horny during my period. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
And we'll, we'll wrap it up with this one here. This came in from not me, I promise. <laughs> At what point would you say someone's porn consumption is an addiction? Controversially, I don't think I really believe in porn addiction in that mm -hmm. sense. But at the same time, I all you can get obsessive with yeah, anything. Yeah, obsessive. You can yeah. get obsessed with anything. You can like, you know, watch too many horror movies. You can you drink too much. You can right. eat too much candy. You can you not go. control how much you eat. So I think like mm -hmm. there's can be a lack of control in any facet of your mm -hmm. life. So of course that could happen with things that you enjoy. I mean, people play video games sometimes for twenty hours yeah. straight. So I think. It depends on the argument you're trying to have, but I I don't really agree that porn addiction is a problem in society. In our society, we'd be quicker to tell someone they have a porn addiction than we would a video game addiction. True. Absolutely. Yeah. True. Like that's, True. that's and what yeah. porn is too much to watch. Right. Like you can't watch yeah, I was, scene honestly, a day. I had to flash back into my times where I would literally just be in front of my laptop like uh, like five times a day, and I was like, was that an addiction? But I like what you said. It's an obsession yeah. because at the time it was just like a bit of an obsession, but. But yeah. an addiction is something that really physically like yes. impairs you if you don't have it. Like mm -hmm. the way a drug or alcohol addiction, like you get the shakes and you can't function. Mm -hmm. Like if someone's like that after not watching porn, then I guess they are addicted. And I guess yeah. you do need help. Is there really you know, porn withdrawal? Yeah. Are they really, I mean, like, are really? they shaking? Are they unable to eat and focus? Is it like a physical if, if wear down of their body system? I haven't seen so, Lotus in two yeah. days, man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, there's warning signs like like we would classify any addiction is that yeah. if it uh, if it starts to take away from your natural routine yes. yeah. or affect your reliability for things like your place of work or your yeah. family demands, then yeah, at that point, let's talk about it being an addiction. Yeah, yeah you can do anything in excess, but right. does it hinder your life? Right. Yeah. Right. That's the real question. I also think there can be just absolute aficionados out there. Yeah, exactly. And we should watch as much of it as it makes us happy, right? right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, if you need to masturbate five times a day, I'm not going to say that that's wrong. No. Get it out. Yeah. Thank you both so much for answering these today, for going the places that we did. Hope you all enjoyed watching and listening to this episode of Red Umbrella Talk. Uh, as support for the community, the Red Umbrella Talk production team has made a charitable donation to the Pineapple Support Team. We do love them. Thank you so much, and we'll see you back here real soon. <laughs>